This is an AMI podcast. I proceeded to get onto my airplane, made it home safely on my own. There is so much. So as you said, my my origami, human origami experience in the Air Force. Um, Well, hello and welcome back. This is Low Vision Moments. It's the podcast all about those sometimes frustrating, potentially embarrassing, but often pretty comical things that happen when you are just going about your day with a visual impairment, blindness, or albinism. I am Jenny. I am your host. And this is episode number 37. I want to start off by saying I'm not as tired as I sound. I've been a bit of a gong show the last couple of weeks, so maybe it's just wearing on my voice, but I feel fine, and I hope you can put up with this raspier version of me. Now, I don't want to waste any time. I'm super excited to talk with this guest even though we talk pretty much on a daily basis on a very similar platform called Zoom because we have the pleasure of working together. Actually, she has the pleasure and pain of working with me very closely on a daily basis. And first off, I couldn't do this job without her. Secondly, she is, how do I put this? She is a prankster. I think above all things, she's so much fun, she's crafty, and she is very caring. And again, couldn't do my day job without her. We'll get into a little bit more on what we do for our day job, but without further delay, I would like to welcome Jen Fancy to the podcast. What else, Jen, do you want the folks to know about you? Hi, Jenny, and thanks for having me. Um, I like to start off by saying I definitely um, need Jenny every day to get me through my days. And yes, we chat on a daily basis and we can bounce ideas and thoughts and feelings off of each other. So definitely a great person to work with. Um, I am Jen Fancy, as Jenny said, and I am a person who loves to be outdoors. I love traveling. I love just being in nature. Uh, uh, Kayaking is a huge part of my life. I live with low vision. I actually have what is called star guards. So I was first diagnosed at about the age of nine. So pretty much my whole life I've um, been going through with low vision. Well, we, like I said, work together very closely. Thank you for putting it so gently that we get to bounce ideas and feelings off of one another because you put up with a lot of my crap and uh, and I so appreciate you for it. Now, to give a little bit more context, Jen and I work as mentors for young learners, students, and their families, uh, students who are blind or visually impaired. So as terrifying as that prospect might be, I am a mentor for students. <laughs> We're blind or visually impaired. And uh, Jen is my my counterpart, perhaps the, the more sensible uh, of the duo. But um, we get to travel for work. We get to talk a lot on Zoom over work. And in some of the in-person situations, you've helped me learn some new things about myself. And the first thing that I didn't really realize until working with you, when was the light bulb moment? It was when we were at a meeting 
And there were a handful of people milling around a room. It was a big open space. The lights were turned down, which was very nice. Thank you very much. Um, and it was early morning. You and I walk into this meeting room together and I immediately say something like, Ooh, I think there's baked goods over there on that table. And you said something like, how the hell can you see that? You probably didn't say hell because we were in a work situation, but you were probably, <laughs> you said something like, how can you see that? And I just thought to myself, I don't really know. I think over the years, I've learned the color of baked goods. Like I saw a sea of baked good colored things, delicious looking edible things over quite a distance. And I shouldn't be able to see it with my vision, but I did somehow with the context and the color decode this. And I learned in that moment that I quite, I've, I've come to relish sort of confusing people with my vision because with low vision, I find myself pushed into this sort of weird gray area. And I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but it's a weird sort of gray area where you can, again, decode and gather information through context and you kind of confuse other people. And it's like, well, I'm not faking it. I'm just using the information available. Which I have to say, Jenny, I highly appreciate your very uh, highly perfected skills at finding the food and coffee when, when we're in <laughs> meetings and uh, traveling together. Um, yes, you you walked in and you were like, oh, they've got baked goods over there. And I thought, wow, that that's, that's amazing. Let's go check it out. But also in our travels for work, um, we walked into coffee shops and you're like right to the rack of this, the, you know, all the baked goods that are for sale. And I'm just like, this is amazing. Uh, but also walking up to schools and stuff to visit with learners. Um, you, you really throw me off because you like looked up and read the names of schools that we've never been to before. And I'm like, wow, like it just kind of really amazes me sometimes, like the ways that you've adapted to use your vision. And I know I've freaked people out with mine as well. Um, for example, um, one of my friends was dropping me off one day in front of my house and I said, oh, look over there. And I was pointing across the road from my house, which obviously is a significant, you know, a significant distance apart. Um, and uh, there was a big bush in front of their yard. And I said, look at the butterfly. And how am I, you know, with 20 over between 200 and 300 being able to see a butterfly fluttering in somebody's yard across the street, but it was all that perfect alignment of a darker bush, a lighter butterfly, the movement. And my friend was like, that's it. I always knew you were faking. And, you know, as I love to say, yes, I do it for the free bus pass, right? Yeah. Or the, or the free entrance <laughs> to the movies. It's, it's what we do, right? <laughs> Yeah, definitely both faking it yeah. on the daily. Interesting, different techniques. And, and like I'm trying to fathom being able to see a butterfly at that distance. I, I don't, I don't think I could. And you would blow me away. And I would be like, hey, you're faking it. If you're like, hey, there's a butterfly over there. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever, Jen, there's a butterfly over there. But you mentioned traveling and, going into a coffee shop. And recently we went to Cape Breton and 
we went into a coffee shop. Well, actually, we went into many coffee shops along that trip. But on the way back, we walked into, well, it was a Tim Hortons. And in this Tim Hortons, okay, it was just like a comedy of errors from the time we stepped in. On a previous episode, Blind Pele was introduced and Blind Pele kicks everything in front of them because they don't see it for whatever reason. And in my case, I don't have a lot of peripheral vision going on. I can see around my glasses, but in very, very low detail. So I don't, I kick my poor dog all the time. He's always down in the area underneath my eyes where I, I, I don't detect things. So we first walked in. And don't I walk into a wet floor sign immediately? And this wasn't a small one. It was it was like up to my waist. It was like bright yellow up to my waist. And I still managed to walk in, into it. So you and I are laughing our way up to the counter. We're standing at the counter. And, and then I confuse you with my vision. I say, Hey, look, they, those mugs say, I heart dad. Those are cute. And you're like, what the hell? You just walked into a wet floor sign. And you're right. It was, a, it was one of the large cone ones, like not the little, you know, <laughs> yeah. triangle no. fold open one. And Jenny's coming in behind me. So I don't see her heading towards and I moved around it and figured she would too. And I just hear this like this clear sound of somebody kicking one of those wet floor sides so as the supportive friend i am i yell oh blind pele so we we <laughs> both lose it and we're laughing so we go up to the lineup and in those little corrals that you know you go through and line up sometime and we're laughing about kicking the floor sign after having discussions about how how can you see certain things right and how good your vision is at <laughs> then the person at the counter says um down here and we realized we could not find them no we are standing at the wrong end of the lineup <laughs> to get served at tim hortons um so i'm sure that poor employee was like what is wrong with these two because it was a bit of a show right from the moment we entered. But, you know, we, we laugh and, you know, that's what you got to do. And we have some good traveling memories. I, I relish in it now. You know, I used to have a lot of anxiety about pe how people perceived me. Like, oh, is she faking it? Like, is she really, is she really blind? Does she really need this tool or whatever, or this assistance. But another prime example would be like, I can, I can run a half marathon. I can run a 10 kilometer road race that goes through trail systems. Okay. I can barely do trail systems. It's terrifying. Um, but I can do that independently. And then at the end of the race, I'll need, you know, an arm, I'll need sighted guide to get down a big staircase because it's too sunny and there's no railing. Like it's, <laughs> I can just imagine yes. it's very confusing to other people, but yeah, it, it makes me think of a time that I traveled um, to Thailand and coming back, I was traveling back by myself. I had been traveling on a backpack tour with my friend fairly and uh but because she lives in ontario and of course i'm in nova scotia we took separate flights coming back and when assistance came to pick me up at my flight to transfer me to the next flight um which i had requested um they they showed up with a wheelchair 
And sometimes I just am so exhausted I can't do it and can't educate that I do not need a wheelchair as a sighted person, as a visually impaired person, sorry, um, that See, I could simply you've, follow you've, them. F- you fumbled. I, you, you are sighted. I, I did. I, I'm baking it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I've been hiking in the jungles of Thailand for three weeks. I'm I am dirty. <laughs> yeah, I'm exhausted. I'm getting in the wheelchair. If you want to push me through the airport, hey, go it for it. So we get up to all the security and everything, and they're looking at my bag, and they're like, what were you doing in Thailand? And I said, oh, I've been hiking with a backpack company for the last three weeks. And they said, oh, um, but now I'm with assistance. So the person looks over the counter down at me in the wheelchair to maybe thinking, oh, did you break your leg or something? Because if you're hiking in the jungles of Thailand, like, why are you coming through with assistance, right? And they look and they see, like, no obvious cast or whatever and they're like uh and I'm like oh I'm using assistance because I'm visually impaired and I think it just so threw them all off they just went oh, <laughs> why the wheelchair okay, just go <laughs> yeah well if you're visually impaired why are you in a wheelchair how are you hiking in the jungles of Thailand I I don't know just go and ask the person who gave me the wheelchair maybe why I why I have this wheelchair right yes exactly <laughs> I like that we've sort of established a theme of travel sort of unintentionally here, but we've had the chance to travel a few times for work. And one of those times we went to Moncton, my hometown, Moncton, New Brunswick. And those experiences are the reason why I have this job, the reason they're the highlights, certainly, of the day job as a mentor. And you had a really, I don't want to say eye-opening, but you had a really great experience that sort of explains what we do. Would you mind sharing that? The we're not, you know what I mean, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, so part of the day, we were doing a scavenger hunt up and down Main Street in Moncton. And me and one of the O&M specialists that we work with, um, we had a group of three young ladies, probably about maybe around the age of nine um, in our group. So they were reading from our phones um, the clues to the next location we had to get to. And I didn't realize, but I'm guessing maybe the students thought I had voiceover on my phone to assist them and weren't really cluing in that it was on already and I was using it for my own, you know, assistance in finding out the next clue. So one of the clues, we were trying to head to the CNIB and they were talking, the clue was speaking of, you know, um, so many people were, you know, blinded in the Halifax explosion And they looked up from the phone and they said, why are we going here? We're not blinded. (laughs) That was the word. We're not blinded. Um, And I said, well, actually, we kind of all are. Um, You know, that's why we're here. And, you know, we're either visually impaired or um, we were blind, like this, this whole group that we've got together today. And they looked up from my phone with this really amazing look on their face, just this like almost, like you said, Jenny, a light bulb moment. And she was like, you're visually impaired? And I was like, yes, I'm visually impaired too. And then she looked at the O&M specialist and was like, and you're visually impaired? And he said, yes, me and Jennifer actually have the same eye condition. 
And it was like this amazing moment with them that they realized, wait a minute, we're adults, we're working, and we're there teaching them some of these skills, but we ourselves are visually impaired. And I just thought, this is so amazing because sometimes, you know, growing up, um, you know, you meet a lot of people who can help you with different things like tech and O&M and all kinds of areas, but often they're people who are fully sighted. So it was a real moment for them when they realized, you know, we're there and we've lived it. We're living it every day. So that was that was a real special moment. And you're right, Jenny, like those in-person moments that you get to have, um, that, that just makes our job so wonderful. Thank you for ex- explaining all of that. It, it just really, I think, encapsulates what we do. As I like to say, just witnessing adults and other people who are blind or visually impaired out in the wild as someone who's blind or visually impaired yourself it makes it can make all the difference i don't think i was exposed to that enough when i was younger and so again it's just it makes it really meaningful when we're able to have those experiences but we still make mistakes you know we can yes. have all the lived experience in the world and that's something that we bring to our day job roles as mentors but we still make mistakes and we still do things that are potentially dangerous like when we go to dinner uh, with colleagues and we're all sitting around a lovely atmosphere a really nice restaurant and i think it was an irish pub right it was really good food, really nice staff. And we got seated, luckily, right next to a big, beautiful old fireplace. And Jen scared the crap out of me in a moment, in a very brief moment. I looked over and saw her touching the fireplace. Now, why were you doing that? So it at first, it was lovely to be sat next to the fireplace. I had been cold when I arrived. And then halfway through the meal, I was beginning to sweat. And I was like, this is a little too close. Um, and I was like, well, clearly it's not a wood burning stove because the tables push right up against it. So if they had to put wood in this. So it's obviously an electric or propane fireplace and mine at home that I have all has switches on the front that you can just simply turn it off and I thought well I'm sweating I'm going to try to find the switch to turn the fireplace off at this point so I to be fair I didn't touch the glass because I do know that can often get hot so I touched the basic frame around the glass looking for the switch and I was like touched it and I oh that's hot (laughs) And Jenny looked across the table at me and was like, did you just touch the fireplace? <laughs> like, is that not safety 101 is not touching fireplaces? <laughs> I was like, fireplace hot. Yes. And I was just like, well, I was, I was looking for the switch. So, yes, sometimes we do make maybe not the best safety choices, but. I guess Lynn was learn in the wild. <laughs> but you've got a lot of practical skills. I'll get, I'll, you know, I, I, that was a hilarious moment because I looked over <laughs> and your hand is, uh, this was a big fireplace. Like if I was standing next to it, I'm like five, three. It's like the opening where the fire is came up to like my neck almost. Like it was huge. <laughs> I look up and she's got her hand. And I was just like, oh God. But you've got skills. We went to a uh, Korean restaurant that same trip to Cape Breton. And we had a sighted colleague with us. 
and you kind of blew her away. You quite adeptly took the butane tank out of the grill and like examined everything to see like, hey, why did the grill stop? And meanwhile, the sighted colleague is absolutely terrified, backing up. Um, and so, you know, you've got skills too, but we can all, we can all make a, I wouldn't call it a mistake, but you know, maybe a lapse in judgment and do things like touch fireplaces. Yes. Yes, exactly. And the barbecue, I guess, once I realized, uh, you know, the setup for, I'd never been to a Korean barbecue place before. So once I realized how they lit it and what it was, I was like, oh, this is like our camping stove. So no problem. But you're right. When the butane ran out, I was like, oh, I know how to do this and I'll take it out and I'll call the person over and just ask if we can have another and I like excitement. So I was there for it. I was like, ooh, let's see what happens here. Yes, you were there for it. And our colleague was about to climb under the table waiting for some massive explosion of butane or something. So, yes. And, and just goes to show, right, like your level of eyesight doesn't dictate how brave you are and what skills you can acquire, including <laughs> changing the butane tank at a Korean restaurant. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. So Blind Pele, we have covered a lot, but really just in that one Cape Breton trip, man, I can't wait to go on the road with you again. But you travel a lot and I love, 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 love to live vicariously through your travels. You have done some amazing trips and along the way, like you explained at the airport, as someone who's visually impaired, Things can get interesting, especially when you go to other cultures. And one time in particular really stood out to me. And I hope <laughs> you don't mind telling the people because I would love to hear it again. Yes, for sure. So um, I was traveling home again. We had gone on a backpack tour, um, me and my friend Fairley, who um, I met way back in I think it was 1997 we worked at a camp called Cena B Lake Joseph Center up in Ontario and she has become a lifelong friend and God love her she always takes the challenge on to you know haul me around the world and has kept me alive to this day with all of our wild adventures um so again we had traveled and I was heading back on my own and asking for assistance so when the assisted person came I said oh like she offered an arm and I said oh no I'm, I'm fine just to follow but I can't read the signs to get to my next gate so she was very insistent and was like no 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 hold my arm and I was like oh okay no 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 hold my arm and Again, some days you just don't have it in you. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll just take the arm. So I took her arm. Did you pinch her a little bit? We... No, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh. <laughs> no, uh, I, I freaked her out in the end. So that's okay. I got my payback eventually. But so we headed towards the elevator. And when we stepped into the elevator, it was one of those ones with the handrail at waist height that goes all the way around. And she said, here, hold two hands. Here, two hold hands. two hands. <laughs> And I was like, oh, no, I'm okay. No, 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 hold, hold it with two hands. And I was like, what do elevators in Tokyo do that that I didn't know? And uh, to be fair, they were having a lot of earthquakes at that time. So I was like, let's get in the airport and get the heck out of here. So I thought, what's wrong with this elevator that I need to hold on with two hands? Exactly. Like, well, and she was very insistent. I hold on with both hands. So I let go of her and I braced myself and held the hand railing um, with both hands. And nope, 
they do absolutely nothing different in Tokyo. I The doors closed. We went up one floor and the doors opened. And I was like, wow. Um, okay. So <laughs> once again, took her by the arm and she took me to the accessible seating at my gate. And <laughs> then that's where it all went very bizarre, even worse. So she said, here's your seat. And I said, okay. And before I even knew what was happening, she had me turned around. So my back was to the seat. All of a sudden, one hand was placed on my back. One hand was placed on my belly. And the lady literally bent me in half and sat me down in the chair. And I was like, so that just happened. Like, (laughs) I couldn't even like going back now. I'm like all the things I could have and should have maybe said, but when somebody just touches you and bends you, it just happens so quickly that I was just like, whoa. And so I was like, okay, thank you. You said thank you. So they leave. <laughs> and I dumb struck that I, yeah, I was like, what is happening? And thought, okay. And uh, they, she walked away and I looked around. I, you know, got my bearings and picked a few landmarks. So I know how to get back to my gate And I thought, okay, well, I'm heading back home. It's going to be colder. So off down the aisle, I went, found the bathroom, got changed out of my shorts and T-shirt into warmer clothes to come home. And when I came back to my gate, I chose not to sit in the accessible seating, but close to, you know, the gate. Um, And I could see her at one point. She came back and was looking all around, clearly looking for me. But then she kind of shrugged her shoulders like, okay, I don't know where she is and left. And I thought, okay, well she's lost me and there's not a concern. So I proceeded to get onto my airplane, made it home safely on my own. There is so much. So as you said, my my origami, human origami experience in the airport. Um, there's so much here. First of all, the human origami. Second, you thanked them. You're so kind. I was always taught to be polite. <laughs> Very polite. But I think my favorite thing is that that in the end, you saw her coming to look for you and she didn't see you mainly because you had changed your clothes. But the irony is not lost on me. She could not find you because you were not in the uh, like designated accessible seat. Exactly. Yeah. But then didn't seem concerned when, well, I guess I've lost her and moved on. It's not my responsibility anymore. Yeah. <laughs> she must have been faking it. She's good. <laughs> okay. Let's circle back to what we do for work just a, a little bit. Not really what we do for work, but in the realm of education, right? When we think about growing up and learning all the things there are to learn about life and our bodies and (laughs) all the world around us and how it works and how we interact with other people as people who are blind or visually impaired in the world of education, like in the world of just learning about what's going on around us with our bodies as we get older, as we go through different stages of life, as we interact with people around us. So much of that learning through childhood and adolescence, and even as an adult, like I say it all the time on the show, I learn new shit all the time and it blows my mind. Like a week, not a week goes by that I don't learn something new and it's and it's a visual thing um, that I've missed. So, so much of it is visual and picked up, not necessarily even uh, with a lot of intention along the way, right? Like I think a lot of people learn things just 
in just, just in passing with their vision. And that's nice for them. But for us, we a lot of us have to learn differently and we use a lot of different tools. And I know that you've got a little bit more experience than I do in that realm. And I wonder if there's anything in particular that stands out to you with your experience and, you know, make it funny because this is low vision moments. <laughs> Certainly. Well, for example, I know we've talked about these types of things before, Jenny. And as you're growing up, when it comes to the area of sex education, um, a lot of people incidentally learn different things um, in everyday life. And it could be through books or magazines or things that you see on TV. Um, some of these learning opportunities are not accessible for us. And um, so there needs to be some type of education. And I remember um, a funny story that <laughs> um, when it comes to that area of learning. So one way of, you know, offering a sex education for somebody who's blind or low vision um, is through having what the, these models were very realistic. Okay. They were a, a, almost actually a little traumatized. Just say it, Jen. Um, so of course the, they have the male and the female body, lower body parts. And um, they're, they're very tactile. They're very realistic. Um, because again, obviously if you're female, you, you can't look at a book if you um, are not somebody who can access print, right? Through vision. So they're, they're there, they're tactile models right and um, this makes sense absolutely right so in the comfort of a safe you know educational space you know you can learn about these things and, and so I remember this time that it, this education was taking place and so it, it was talking about intercourse and how that works and so the the models actually fit together so they took the male and they took the female genitalia and it, it inserted the male into the female and it was described like okay and then there's movement back and forth <laughs> but the funny part due to the material that these body parts are made of on these models are almost like i'd say like a, a rubbery silicone kind of material so when you begin the movement back and forth there was this squeaking <laughs> noise that <laughs> was happening and somebody in the lesson Put up their hand and said is that the noise that's supposed to happen <laughs> you know during intercourse uh, to be fair a very honest and legit question but um that is definitely how people can learn and it was explained no if you hear that that is not a good noise but yes you should not hear that squeaking noise um i'm dying i'm dying so yeah <laughs> Everything up to the noise makes good sense. And, you know, you need these, you need these tools to understand and it, it all makes sense. Can you imagine the poor, the poor learn, the poor person learning? Very worrisome, like. Yes, it was probably very traumatized that, oh dear, like, is that noise supposed to happen? This is usually the part of the episode where I say, hey, Jen, is there anything else that you would like to to chat about or share before we go? So we'll do that. But I also usually ask you for um, where to follow you on social media. And you don't even follow me. Like, we're not even friends on Facebook. So 
I don't think that you need to include that if you if you don't wish to. Um, you might have a hard time finding Jen. She's probably out in the woods somewhere or being made into human origami. Uh, uh, probably. Yes, I, I there's nowhere to follow me. I am very much a dinosaur um, when it comes to that type of thing, Jenny. I I choose not to have any of that stuff. Um, you know, for my job, I do spend a lot of time on the computer. Um, so in my own life, I just choose to stay off of, you know, a lot of media and, you know, devices and stuff, because like I said, I really enjoy being outside and um, I'd rather call up a friend and chat on the phone or like you said, make my next travel plan. <laughs> I'd much rather do that. So, um, but yes, it's a, uh, I do follow you. Just I just sign into your podcast, so I guess I'm not a true, true. I guess click on you follower, but I do follow you because I I always love the podcast and and learning and your guests and everything. I it always makes me happy at the end of the day to hear some of the stories. And again, also makes me realize I'm not alone when I'm jumping into the wrong car because I thought that was my bride picking me up or, you know, all the things, as you say, that we do in the wild that <laughs> it's not just me out there, right? So I think you're the most fun dinosaur I've ever met. And uh, I'm, I'm so grateful that you're my co-worker, that you are um, stuck with me, and that we like each other enough that you choose to spend even this, your spare time with me. So thank you so much. This has been such a fun conversation as usual. You and I can talk, could talk forever, but we probably should wrap it up. And, uh, and I just thank you so, so much. This has been fun, like I said, as usual. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And you're right. We could keep going. And I have many more travel stories. So uh, we could do a whole episode on just Jennifer's wild adventures traveling um, around the world with Fairly. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I hope everybody, if travel is something that they enjoy doing and learning about new cultures and seeing new places, I hope everybody gets a chance to find a friend out there who's, you know, willing to travel with them and uh, <laughs> get them around the world alive, even though we've had a few. Uh, few funny moments um, together. It's all part of the adventure. And um, so I hope everybody gets that opportunity if it's something that they're interested in. And Jenny, I'm sure we'll have lots more work travel to uh, come over the next years. And uh, I certainly look forward to that because you'll amaze me and I'll probably amaze or scare you. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? But we'll probably it'll do, be fun. No both matter do what. a little bit of each. I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, watching, and subscribing to Low Vision Moments. You know, I've had the pleasure of working with plenty of super supportive and really skilled people over the years. And Jen Fancy, you are definitely top three. Are you able to share your lived experiences like this, like I can with Jen Fancy? Are you able to do that with your colleagues? Tell us about it. You can get in touch by adding a comment on YouTube or send an email to podcasts at ami.ca. You can even give us a call at 1-866-509-4545. Once more, the phone number is 1-866-509-4545. Just make sure to mention Low Vision Moments in the message, please, and thank you. You can come and follow me. I'm on Instagram and TikTok. I'm there under uberblonde4, that is UB. B-E-R-B-L-O-N-D-E -E, and the number four. The following people make this podcast possible and they're definitely on my top 20, no, no, 
Top 10 Outstanding Colleagues list. Marka Flalo is technical producer, Ryan Delahanty is podcast coordinator, and manager at AMI-audio is Andy Frank. And until next time, no, it is not supposed to squeak like that. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.